Welcome to the Wild and Well podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Hilary Clare, a clinical psychologist, holistic parenting mentor with a focus on nutrition and environmental medicine, a yogi, author, and mom of two wild boys. Here, we will delve into the big and the little things that move the needle for children's health and mental wellness in a modern world that doesn't always make it easy to do so. Together, we can nurture resilient kids, vibrant mothers, and a brighter future for the planet and the next generation. Let's get into it. Welcome to another episode of the Wild and Well podcast. Today, I am talking to Jacqueline Stein, who is the founder of the community, The Only Hearts Club. This is a community that she has created all around having one child. And this is the topic that we're talking about today. One and done. So in this episode, we're going to talk about Jacqueline's experience, her choices, her reasons why she had one child, her experience in motherhood, and her experience in creating this community and why she felt that that was an important thing to do in this day and age for mothers who have one child. We also go into some external pressures, expectations, and misconceptions that people have of mothers or parents in general who have one child. So let's get into it. Welcome back to the podcast today. I have Jackie Stein. I'm so excited to talk to her all about having one child, why she chose to have one child and the struggles and benefits of having one kid nowadays in this modern world that we live in. But before we jump into it, Jackie, can you please tell me one thing that you did today that was nourishing for you or you did just to take care of you? Oh my goodness. I don't know that I have to be honest, but now I think I'm going to have to maybe setting my dining table here. I'd say I love design. So for me, anything I can do that, like makes things look pretty, I'd say that was my nourishing thing to start for the day. I love it. That's a very unique one. Thank you. So can you tell us a little bit about you and what it is that you do in the motherhood space? Sure. So I'm Jackie. Um, and I started a um, sort of a group for mothers of only children, and it turned into something that was a little bit more global. So it started just as like a Toronto Facebook group. And then I started getting messages from women around the world. And I thought, okay, I'm going to take it to Instagram. So I kind of uh, wound down the Facebook group group a little bit. And then um, I now have an Instagram page called the Only Hearts Club. And I'm still trying to figure out what to do with it. But I have a lot of women that reach out to me um, in Canada, globally, who are also mothers of only children. And it's been really wonderful to connect with other women who have made the decision to be one and done. So yeah, that's, um, I mean, that's not what I do as my day to day. I'm the director of communications for an organization, but um, my my passion is connecting with other women who also have, are mothers of only children. And let's jump into it. Like, I want to know what is your reason for you personally to have one child, no more, no less. Why one? I always joked. I actually had read this quote a while ago and it's like a family can of three can fit in one airplane row. And I loved that because I'm a huge traveler. 
Um, and so for me, I, I really, that felt like that really fit kind of like the ideals that we have as a family, but in all seriousness, I think that the world just looks really different today, at least for me, um, you know, having a child, number one, it's expensive. Um, you know, and I think we know that I think it's like the average cost of a child per year is like $30,000 if I'm not mistaken, but I'd say a lot of it is also the mental and emotional, uh, toll that it has taken on me. Um, and I actually knew that before I even had my son who is now a little over two. So it was really about making sure that I was able to maintain my mental health, um, knowing what my boundaries were while also being able to give to him properly and also just still being able to enjoy the activities that I like to do. So I am a long distance runner. Um, I'm not sure if I had more than one, if I would be able to devote the same amount of time to like training. That's a big thing for me. Uh, also, I love to travel. And so obviously those things start to really add up when you start tacking on more people to the family. So I'd say there's definitely a lot of reasons. And I think I even knew before I had him, like it was, he was a bit of like a happy surprise. Um, you know, we knew we wanted to have one, but I just didn't know when it was going to happen. I'm in my, was in my mid thirties at the time and it happened really quickly, which was wonderful. And I'm very grateful for that. But I knew even going into the pregnancy that like he would be it for me. And I had a really good pregnancy. So it's not like I didn't struggle with my pregnancy. I had a really good labor and delivery with him. I was terrified of my labor and delivery, like maybe more than most people. Um, and so like none of that was an issue. It was just that I was, I knew from the very beginning, once I had the positive sign of the pregnancy test, that this was going to be it for me. Yeah. So it seems like you are very definitive. I must say though, I travel back and forth from Australia to Canada yeah. and I have two kids and a husband. So there's four of us. And if you sit in the middle, there are four seats. Oh. <laughs> wait a second yeah if you're on one of the really big planes so one of the very big planes yes mm -hmm. so that's, it's that's, good that you have other reasons for yeah. just having one child because that's a very long haul flight though for the shorter ones like Toronto to New York City for example you're actually and now it might be a problem for us but you're lucky if you get like a two by two you know so it, it just depends for sure yeah. but I yeah, the longer haul that's always an option yeah um so yeah I know a lot of people who have only one kid. And you mentioned a few different reasons, like financial reasons and being able to travel and being able to take care of your mental health properly and run and like do the things that make you you as well. Um, other people have issues like fertility and um, birth trauma and struggling postpartum and having marital like um conflicts or even like breakups. There's so many different reasons in your experience, in your community. What do you find are the main reasons that other parents are choosing only one? That's a really, that's a very interesting point, Claire. And I actually have gotten a lot of messages, like direct messages from women who have said like, it actually has not been my choice. And I'm also trying to like wrap my head around the fact that I might only have one due to some of the issues that you've mentioned. I think that there's absolutely a privilege in, in not having some of those things, right? Like it's very clear, I think just by speaking to me that this was a hundred percent my choice. Um, and, and that in and of itself is a privilege because I did have not struggled with fertility. Um, you know, I, I have not, you know, I'm not separated from my partner. So it's definitely, um, very, um, it's been very purposeful. 
And what I will say is I think there's also, that's another kind of interesting conversation to have, right? Because I think for a lot of, of women um, or people that are carrying children, sometimes it's not, it's not intentional, right? So I think to come out and say like, this is intentional, particularly because there's definitely, you know, which I, you might get into after, but there is like some pushback sometimes, right? You know, there's that feeling of, oh, you know, you're not giving your your child a sibling. You're not going to give them like a built-in best friend. Like they're going to be lonely, um, which I have a lot of thoughts on as well. So I think maybe we'll cover that a little bit later, but you know, to say, to come out and say, it's not for any of those reasons. And if you are choosing to only have one, because that's all you want, not because you don't have the option to have more, but because for you, it is your, it's the best decision. I think that it's crazy to say that that still feels bold in 2023. Um, And I also think that in North America, sometimes it's a bit of a different mentality than it is in other parts of the world still. Although I was reading recently and I, I don't, don't quote me on the on the actual percentage, but I think it's like there's a very significant reduced birth rate in, in Canada, even, um, and it's going to have a long term impact on on the way that you know Canada operates as a country. So there's a lot of implications of what that means, but I also think we're making it harder for people these days. You know, it, it's just when my parents had me and they had my sister, you know, they had, both of them had good, good jobs, government jobs. Um, They had a big home and that home, it was in 1985, cost them in like a beautiful neighborhood. It was a new development. I think it cost them $200,000 to give you an idea. And it was just, you know, and my mom and I have talked about it actually at great length. And I will say that she has never pushed me She's never, I've never felt pressured by any family members to have more than Alex. Um, And I know that's not the case for everybody. I think also because I've been so definitive in my decision and confident that no one has felt that they can question me on it. But I would just say that like when I was growing up versus now with the times are just really different um, and the, the, the cost of living is different. And so, you know, I I know that I'm making this decision purposefully while also recognizing that there are women that don't have that choice. And there's other reasons why they are only having one child. Um, but I would say it's like, I, it sounds so cliche to say like, we're all in this together, but like, I am just as open to conversations with those women as I am with those that have said like, I'm, I'm doing this intentionally and I never had a desire to have more than one. And that's the reason, if that makes sense. Yeah. And do you find that in your group and your like events or like meetups and different conversations with mothers that it's half and half that some have decided because they absolutely have always wanted one and the other half is because of the financial, the relationship, the practical, all those other things, or is it hard to decipher it's slightly hard to decipher. I mean, you know, we get into, we, sometimes we do get into that. Um, and I, it is so situational and I'd say sometimes you make those decisions definitively for the reasons that you've just said, right? Like, you know, yeah, maybe if I had, you know, endless income and maybe if I had someone to like, you know, to like, I don't want to say take care of my kids. Cause that's actually not what I would want, but you know, there's this whole idea of like, it takes a village, right? And we keep hearing this over and over again. And there's all these memes about like, well, where's my village? You know, I live here in Toronto with my husband and my son. You know, my husband's family is in Havana, Cuba. So we don't have them here. And even my own mother, she doesn't live here either. She's in Ottawa. So, you know, that's a four hour drive. 
She can't just get in the car and come and take, you know, and babysit for the night. We don't have a village in the same way that I think, you know, this whole utopia version of like what, what raising a family should be. And maybe that existed at another time, but it doesn't exist now. And so I would say sometimes I think I've heard that people make these decisions intentionally because of all those reasons. And if things were different, maybe life would look different, but that's the reality that we're living in today. And also far more women work today than they did a couple of generations ago. You know, so yeah, I mean, their their main responsibility and the expectations on on them were that they were going to stay home and take care of the kids, right? You know, that was their that the home they were homemakers, and that was their sole responsibility, and that was a huge responsibility. I don't think that there's I can't imagine any other job that is more challenging than being a parent. You know, it's like every day there I want to pull my hair out. And it's also the most incredible thing I've ever done. So it's like, I look at Alex and I'm amazed and in awe. And I absolutely love being a mom. It's the best job I've ever had. It's incredible. And I can say that while still feeling like I don't want to have another child. And I think that there's a misconception too that, well, you know, you only have one. You don't like being a parent. No, no, no. I actually love being a parent but I know my limits and I'm not willing to go beyond what my limits are. So I'd say there's a real mixture of things. Um, but you know, our, our, I think it's just a real combination of elements that have factored into a lot of just people's decisions as to why they'd only have one. And, and there, it can be a combination of things. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's interesting that you're talking there about that misconception of people assuming that you don't like being a mom compared to people who maybe have two or three or more kids. What are some other misconceptions that you notice um, that moms maybe that you talk to or that you experience being a mom of one? I think one of the biggest ones, and it's one that I love because I love debunking it, um, is, oh, you're selfish. You know, you don't want to give of yourself and, and, and you're making this decision because you don't want to give of yourself. And my response is number one, it's not selfish to know that this is what you can handle. I think if anything, I'm not going to say it's selfish in the other direction, because that is such an individual thing, right? You know, to have more than you can handle. And I look postpartum is a huge thing. And sometimes women are fine for their first and, and not so fine for their second. And that is such a normal thing for that to happen. Um, but I would say, you know, for myself, like, I think it's really important to take care of yourself. Again, I know this has been said, you know, a million times. I, I you know, we hear it a lot, but it's like, you know, happy mom, happy child. And if you're not taking care of yourself first, how can you possibly expect to give of yourself to somebody else? And like I said, it's a huge commitment. Like once you have a kid, your life, whether you like it or not, I've tried to maintain as much of myself as possible. And I've also tried to maintain as much of our previous lifestyle as possible. But inevitably things change, right? You know, we we go to all the art galleries, we go out for dinner, we travel together as a family, we go to concerts, we do the things that we love to do. But we have a toddler at home, you know, and it's like, our life has changed. He does dictate a lot of things for us. And so for me, it's not selfish to take care of yourself. It's not selfish to still prioritize the things that you need. And I think that's a huge misconception 
um, and one that I'm constantly, and I'm proud to debunk it. Like I actually like talking about it because I'm like, I, I want to say that I want to, particularly mothers. I think mothers are the ones that take the brunt of a lot of things for them to know that like, please take care of yourself. I've actually said this to a lot of, of women that, you know, follow my page is like, you need to stop apologizing for taking care of yourself for wanting to do the things that you want to do. You're not selfish. You're not, you know, it doesn't mean you're not prioritizing the people around you, but please, please, please take care of your needs first, put yourself first so that you can take care of others you know, and do it in to the, the best of your abilities. Yeah. And I almost wonder as much as you're saying, and so many people say it's not being selfish and, and we shouldn't like be selfish. Maybe we should, like, maybe it's okay that we're selfish. Right. And maybe we just have to look at that word differently because it has a negative connotation to it, but maybe it's not a bad thing. Cause what's the alternative being selfless and that is not helpful for anybody, right? That's when we don't prioritize ourselves. That's when we don't know what our needs are or get our own needs met. And eventually we run out. We don't have anything left to give. So we actually come from a place that is empty and that mm-hmm. doesn't benefit anybody. So maybe it's not a bad thing that we are a bit selfish. And I know what you're saying is in line with that, but I just wonder that word, like maybe it's not a bad word. Yeah. That word always gets like negatively. It's like such a negative association, which I find so interesting. And I think again, like this idea of selflessness, I think inherently for women and for mothers, like it's expectation is there that you will be selfless. Um, but I'm, I'm not okay with that. (laughs) Obviously I'm not okay with that. Like, I think you can probably tell by speaking to me. Um, and I make no apologies for it. And I, and I think that that's interesting to be a mom who makes no apologies for, you know, still continuing to live her life. I also think I'm a a great mom. Like my son adores me and we have so much fun together and I am so affectionate and loving. Um, I want to see him. I want him to see a mother who, you know, is taking care of herself. Even, even when I've done like my, my races, like I've did, did a couple of half marathons recently and like seeing him at the finish line, you know, the, his, he's only two. And like, I feel like he's, he can understand that his mother is doing something that makes her happy. You know, when I put on my running shoes and he like runs to the door and, and tries to like put on his running shoes and he goes, mama's run, mama's run. And it's like, he gets excited because he sees that and I'm not always that excited when I go for a long run, but he sees I'm doing something that's good for myself. And I think it's good for him because he's also going to he'll grow up to know that, you know, it's in that being selfless is not always a positive thing. He'll also grow up to know like a strong, independent woman as his mother, you know, somebody that has done the things that she loves. And I think that that rubs off on a child too. And I don't know the psychology behind it, but I would be curious to know, like, you know, a a child that grows up in a house where, you know, a, a mother has no hobbies, no interests, and their whole lives revolve around the child does that have an impact on that kid in a different kind of way? Right. So I think there does have to be, obviously there's a balancing act here and I do get that. Um, But I would say one of my greatest, I think accomplishments up until this point is the fact that I have been able to show my child a a parent and a mother who is taking care of herself and making that a priority. And as he gets older, I think that that will be to his benefit. 
Yeah. And I wonder, it it depends on the person, on the parent, what taking care of themselves looks like. So for you, it is maintaining those things that you love doing, like going to the concerts, going for your runs, racing, and all the other things that you mentioned. But there are some mothers that taking care of themselves is being at home and cooking and doing all those things that really nourishes them and getting that nourishment alongside taking care of their kids. So it can look so different. It just, I think it depends on the mindset behind it. If you're taking care of your kids and you're feeling burnt out and resentful and wanting to be doing something else, well, then there's a problem. Totally. I think I would just, to that, I would say it's like you you know yourself best, right? So like what makes you happy? And I think if you're finding that you're burnt out, if you're finding that you're resentful, then I would say something probably needs to change. You know, if if you're finding, look, I mean, I have friends who like love being in the kitchen, you know, they love baking and cooking. It is a hundred percent their therapy, which is wonderful. I like that slightly less, although, although I love the idea of it. <laughs> and so I'd like to do that some of those things more, but I, it's like, I think, that every, every, you know, it's such an individual thing, right? What makes you happy and what, what you take pleasure in. So whatever that is, just do more of it is basically what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And what do you do to prioritize your mental and emotional health as a mom? Like you've talked about a number of things. Sounds like running is a really big one. What are some other things that you're doing? And maybe some of these things are stuff that you were doing before that you've kept up like the running or maybe there's new things that you're doing now because it's a necessity that wasn't there before. Mm-hmm. I don't always, to be honest. Like, you know, I think again, going back to this idea of like only having one kid and how it's easier, I would argue that there's no such thing as easy when you're a parent. You know, whether you have one or you have two or you have 10, being a parent is never easy. Um, and I'm not always successful when it comes to like my mental health, like for sure. I, I'd say one thing that I have done is I've started going to therapy just because I have trauma from like my own childhood that I feel like I want to work through those things because I want to not, and I don't think I will. I think I'm being very proactive about this. Like I don't want to repeat the same things that might've happened when I was younger. Um, So I'd say like, that's a big thing for my mental health is actually making a concerted effort to like see a therapist, go to therapy, um, have those conversations but I definitely struggle. You know, it's like, I have those moments where I literally just, I want to burst into tears. I'm putting Alex to bed and he's, you know, if he's giving me a hard time, like, you know, it's, I, it's that visceral feeling of like, I want to just like scream at the top of my lungs. And like, this is so tiring. So I also think it's really important to like, give yourself grace like that. You're not always going to be good. Like I'm not always good. I try to do the things that make me happy. Um, but I also very much recognize that like, this is all part of, of the journey is like, you're going to have your ups and downs that is inevitable. Um, I think being cognizant of those things and recognizing when you're not doing well, I would say that's probably the the best way to support your mental health. Um, you know, pinpointing what it is that's making you stressed out and then trying to see what you can do to help ease some of that stress. Yeah, for sure. It's really good to have that awareness, right? If we don't have awareness, well, we're I did, pretty I, hopeless. I did do that. I, so I actually, um, I saw a, a dietitian last year for some of my running stuff and she was amazing just beyond being a great dietitian. And she's like, have you thought about having like a nightly ritual? 
you know, where it's like, you just take, you know, 30 minutes before going to bed, like put your phone away. Cause that's a big thing. I think it's just like, you're, I'm always on my phone. Right. I think that's a, the case for so many, so many uh, people these days and like, put your phone away, you know, sit in a quiet space, do it like light a candle. If you want to put the calm app on and just listen to like a mantra or something. And I did start to do that. Unfortunately, it just did not take a long-term effect on me. Like I didn't, I don't know if I didn't do it for long enough to make it a habit, but it's something that I constantly think about. Um, and I think I'm going to get back into it because I really did find there was something very calming about ending the evening on like a very quiet, relaxed note versus like, you know, just kind of throwing yourself into bed at the end of the day, just with exhaustion and, you know, stress. What got in the way of you continuing that? life. Honestly, I think, you know what it is? It's, it's, it's Alex is not, you know, he's a kid who it's so funny. Cause I can see him in relation to other kids around his age. And I would say like, he's particularly active. Like he's a very bold, confident child. Um, he has a serious case of FOMO. So it's like, he wants to be you know, part of every, everything that's going on. And he's very strong-willed. And, and I think that makes bedtime difficult at times. So it's like, by the time, if I'm the one putting him to bed at night, by the time I'm done, I'm just so exhausted from the day that I'm like, I want to throw myself down on the, on the couch, watch some TV, you know, watch like baking shows or watch Bravo or whatever it is. And then, you know, come the time that I'm going to be going to bed, which is a lot later than I probably should be. It's like, I don't, I don't have the inclination or the desire to set myself aside for 10, 15 minutes and just sit there quietly. I just want to brush my teeth and go to sleep before I actually fall asleep on the couch. And that's really what it is. Yeah, that seems like the reality for a lot of parents, right? I I was in a similar boat, like I had my own version of that. And I just started going to bed with the kids because I would always get so tired. I'd be lying down with them. It'd be dark. And then I'd think, oh, I've got to go do the dishes or do these other things. And then I just stopped doing those things at that time, at least. And yeah, it made it so much easier. So now my bedtime routine is just like alongside the kids and it works so much better and I get a million more hours of sleep. It, yeah. That much so, is so nice. <laughs> yeah. So I, eight, eight o'clock I'm in bed. Oh my God. Okay. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> so when we talk about having only one, do you know the percentage of parents, at least like in Canada or in North America that have only one? Like it's got to be changing, right? Like compared to past generations. Changing for sure. And like, it's changing in the direction of like more only having one child. Yeah. It's funny too, because even in my neighborhood, we just moved into a new home. And like, even in our neighborhood, we have a lot of like young families as well. And like, it's, and it also could be because we live in like the urban center of Toronto. So like, it might be different than like, you know, other parts of, you know, like the more of the suburbs or whatnot, but like almost every single person on our street that has a child only has one child and is only having one child. So I did know the percentage and it's getting higher, but if I gave you one right now, it probably would be inaccurate. Um, but I think this is you, by even me giving you this little anecdote of our, of our two streets that we have here that kind of connect with one another and a lot of families um, that should tell you something, right. That, that all of these families have made the decision, like the, our neighbor only has one and they're four and our very good friends only have one who's the same age as Alex. Like they're not having more than one. So that should say, okay, there's definitely a shift in this direction. And I would say it may be more so in urban centers. I'm not sure, but you know, when you're living in the city where space is tight, 
And I guess that's another reason to only have one. I don't even have, we have an, we have three bedrooms and one of those bedrooms is our guest room and our office. You know, we don't have this space for more than one if we want to fit comfortably together in our home. Yeah. That's a practical reason why like that plays into it, why people only have one child, isn't it? So I think you're right. Probably in more urban, more densely populated areas, you're going to see that more so than in maybe rural places, but it does seem like that there is a trend towards people having less and less kids. And we see that, like you're talking about in Canada, we have, we're actually having less and less kids that our population is going to start going down. Right. So that that's happening in certain Western countries. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we've talked a, quite a bit about this, but are there any other like benefits or drawbacks to having one kid that you've experienced or that you've talked to the other moms in your group about? Um, I mean, I really hesitate to use the word drawbacks because I I personally don't think that there are, right? I mean, there are obviously, I think for those that have more than one, they might see drawbacks. I would say like, you know, one of the biggest benefits too um, is I actually just had it in my head and I forgot what it was, but I'm sure it'll come back to me. Um, oh, I, I remember what it was now. It's the fact that I get to be a mom. Like I, it, it still allows me to be, be a mother, have, have that experience, which like I said, I'm so eternally grateful for without having to, to, to push myself beyond what I'm comfortable with. And like, that really is, you know, if, if I'm really thinking about it now with that question, like that probably is one of the greatest benefits for me is like, I, now that I have a child, it's, I know that there are also, I mean, there's all kinds of conversations around, you know, our generation that's, and also our, the younger generation that that's choosing not to have kids at all. Right. So that's a whole other conversation. Um, I don't know that I necessarily would have been in that camp. You know, I think growing up, I never had those like dreams or visualizations of like being a mom and like dressing up my dolls. And, you know, up until recently I was very nomadic. Um, you know, I could barely even stay in Canada for more than a couple of years at a time. So, but I also was never opposed to the idea. Like if somebody asked me if I wanted to have a child, you know, I know there are definitely women out there that are like, nope, not for me. And I think that's amazing because, you know, that's to me, that's selfless. Like, you know, that you don't want to be a parent. And the worst thing I think you can do is to have children when you don't want to be a parent, because, you know, for all the obvious reasons we've talked about. But I I never felt that way. So I think I always knew that, you know, parenting was a possibility for me. So now I get to do it. You know, I get to do it with this incredible, funny, smart, confident kid. And I get to have this, you know, unparalleled experience of, of being a parent while not having to, you know, worry that, okay, like I actually you know, for me, and I don't know of other women who also made this decision have had similar experiences. I have had like nightmares and I'm not talking about dreams because for me, it was like, it was a nightmare experience of like being pregnant again, you know, and like going through this again. And then, you know, I, one of the things I have heard from other women is like, oh, you know, like, I know that I only want to have one, but I, I have baby fever and I get that, right? Because it's like, you see these newborns and they're so cute and they're so, so sweet. And it's like, I've had those moments too, where I'm like, I'll never have that again. Like I've had moments recently where I've cried because I'm, I've thought, 
this is it. Like Alex is only going to get older from here. You know, all of these moments are so fleeting and I'm never going to have him at two again. You know, he'll only grow up. And so one of the things I say to women where they're like, I know it's in my best interest to only have one, but every now and again, I have baby fever as well. Babies don't stay babies forever. So if you know that this is the decision that you want to make, I want, you know, don't focus on that because they grow up really quickly. Um, so I'd say, you know, for me, like I said before, like the benefit is the fact that I do get to be a parent. Um, and there's no drawbacks for me. You know, I, I know a lot of other adults who are only children and they're incredible, like generous, um, social. My husband is an only child. My best two of my best friends are only children. They are some of the most, the kindest, most outgoing, you know, social, gregarious people that I know. And so I think there's a lot of misconceptions and very like old adages about what only children are like. And, and they're, they've been debunked. I mean, it's, they don't exist. They're not true. And a lot of research has indicated that they're not, it's not accurate. So I'd say, I don't think that there are, I think, I think family planning is such a personal decision. Um, and I don't see any drawbacks if that's the decision that you've made. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Um, I have a few kind of rapid fire, not maybe not rapid fire, but some questions um, that I'm going to start asking at the end of most podcasts. So are you ready for that? I love rapid fire. <laughs> so what resource would you recommend if listeners want to learn more about this? That could be a book, a podcast, an article, a social media account, anything. Oh my goodness. Well, there's one and done parenting in Canada. And, and so she is very, very well-known Jen. So I'm giving her a little shout out right now. Um, so that would be one where I'd say like her community is like 50,000 strong. And that also says something, right? I mean, you know, she's, she's based in, you know, in Canada, um, outside of Toronto and she's, her community is growing. So I think it shows you that this is something that people are like latching onto and interested in. Um, I mean, I would just look for like, you know, hashtags on, on Instagram to sort of see, like, I think one of the things with my account too is, you know, I, I'm not a huge share on Instagram, to be honest with you. I, I have found for myself mental health, you know, talking about mental health is like, I sometimes just go about my day. And even if I want to capture things, I just don't have the energy to. So I'm, I'm kind of sporadic with my posting, but you know, I'll post things about like my life and just my everyday. Um, so, you know, that's, that's the only hearts club and I'm still figuring out how to make it into something that's more of like a global collective of women. Um, so I have some ideas and I'm going to be doing that on my website. Um, and yeah, I would say like to me, one and done parenting is one of the really well-known ones, but you know, even there are others that are not one and done specific, but you can see that they only have one child. And I tend to like to follow them because I like to see, you know, what their lives look like and how their everyday is. Yeah, that sounds great. I'll link her Jen's account in the show notes along with yours, obviously. What do you do to support your child's emotional development? Oh, that's so good. <laughs> this is an area I'm particularly interested in. I did my PhD on this and I'm working on a book about it. So I love to hear what people do because everybody does such different things when they focus on this. And some people don't focus on it and their children are very emotionally literate. So it's fascinating. I think I do focus on it actually. And one of the things I've read a lot about, which I think is so interesting because I don't think I had it growing up so much is just to like regulate my own emotions. Um, I don't know that our parents' generation had access to a lot of the knowledge that we have today. And I think it's, there's, there's 
a lot of benefits to it, some detriments, which is, I think the detriment for me is the fact that you never feel like you're doing enough to emotionally support your child or to take care of your kid. You're basically always doing the wrong thing or you're never doing enough of the right thing. Um, but I think one of the major benefits is that we do learn some of this stuff that we maybe, you know, previous generations of parents did not learn. And so I would say I catch myself a lot, you know, when he's having a tantrum, for example, rather than meet him where he is and get frustrated and yell at him, I take a very deep breath. And I remember that like, he's not doing this on purpose. And I think I do that in so many areas of his life is just, I give him the benefit of the doubt that he's little and he doesn't understand his emotions yet. And so I try to be as calming of a presence as I can. So if he's throwing a fit, I'm going in for a hug and just holding him. And like, I'm really proud of myself for that because I tend to not be, I'd say like historically, I'm not a very patient person. Um, and I think I've only learned over time. And I think parenting has given me that skill that I, I didn't have before where it's like, I wanted everything right away, you know, or, you know, certain emotions would target, you know, would trigger me. Um, I'd say I am very thoughtful in how I deal with Alex and I'm, I'm proud of myself for it. Cause I think he is, I think he's giving some of that back now. I think I can see him developing well. That's incredible. I think that's one of the biggest things that we can give our kids, what you're doing. And it does start with us, right? We can't teach them things if we're not doing it ourselves. So keep doing what you're doing because that's what research shows is the most important thing to do. What do you do to help Alex to become a lifelong veggie lover? Oh my God, I don't do enough of that. <laughs> I know that you do though. And I'm so inspired and I'm probably going to ask you for some tips. I love how immediately I was like, no, I don't do that at all. I really don't. I mean, it's so crazy too, because I work with an organization that like is with deals with farming and seeds. Um, so I should do, I should be inspired to do more of it. Um, I'm going to do more of it. I don't think I'm doing enough. <laughs> maybe it I, is the work that you're doing though, right? You're maybe, maybe, but I, I'd like modeling to, that. I think, I think on a good day, I like cut up veggies with hummus for him and like try to like, you know, I think. One thing I will say, and it's not veggie specific, but it is food specific, is that we expose them to a lot of different foods, you know? So I can't speak specifically to veggies because I'm not, I myself, I'm not the best veggie eater, um, but but aspiring for sure. But we we do not, he is not a picky eater because we have exposed him to like pretty much everything under the sun. Like he's had like, he's eating crickets, like when we were in Mexico City. Like, so I think exposure to different kinds of food. So it's not just, you know, the basics has been very beneficial and it's allowed us to go out for dinner with him and not have a picky eater. <laughs> yeah. And that's massive, right? It doesn't have to be just cutting up those carrots and putting them in front of them or broccoli and then cauliflower. It's, it's about that exposure to all different foods. Cause if you're going to be less picky eating, you're more likely to be less picky eating vegetables, right? Yeah. The vegetables, it's actually kind of weird. Like I, it's, I don't know if it's like a built-in mechanism for humans where it's like the chocolate and the pizza good, the broccoli bad. <laughs> like we didn't teach him that. So we'll still put it on the plate. And yet it's like, he gravitates. He doesn't want like green on his pizza. So yeah, I mean, he's not picky, but like there are certain things obviously that kind of throw him off a little bit. And I'm like, did you, were you born with this? Like, are people born with this? Do they have to be educated otherwise? So food is always an interesting subject when it comes to kids. Yeah, it's a fascinating one. Mm -hmm. What do you do to create community or deepen the connections that you do have? Well, we're very, uh, we're very social. 
So like we do plan it, you know, we plan to go out with like other families that like are good. I, I'd say for me, I'll actually start with me as a mom. It's like, I, you know, I'm very particular with my friendships. And so I ended up becoming very good friends. This is a shout out to one of my girlfriends now, um, who now is actually our neighbor, but wasn't, wasn't a, a couple months ago. Um, and we happen to have two kids who are the same age, who are now best friends who go to school together. Um, also again, but her son's an only child as well. And like, we have made such a profound connection because of all of our common interests. And we would have been friends had we not had kids for sure, like very good friends. So we, we make plans with them. We go out, we do things, um, you know, just like finding people that are like of like minds, you know, in, in, in your own community and then, and then making plans with them. But we really, we do not shy away from being social and, and being active and going out there. And I think it's good because I can see Alex is a really social kid because he's had, again, talking about exposure to food. Well, he's had a lot of exposure to people as well. Um, and thankfully he was kind of born towards the, like in the springtime where, cause he was still like born during COVID times, you know, when it was still like kind of the pinnacle of it, but he also was born in the spring. So it kind of allowed us to go out in the early stages so that he was meeting people that he was out and about and he was getting those social skills. Yeah. Is there anything that you'd like to add that I haven't asked you? Um, I mean, I think it's things we've already talked about, but I really want other moms to know that like, please do what's best for you. Like I always say like, you know, tune out the critics because they're at the end of the day, they're not the ones that have to make the decisions. They're not the ones that, you know, are focused on your mental health and your well-being and your priorities as a parent. So if somebody is telling you one is not enough, tune them out. Because like, that's not a, that's not for them to say, um, you know, if you need to go and take a day for yourself, take a day for yourself. Don't let anybody tell you that you shouldn't, or that you can't think about what your needs are. Think about what your desires are, what your passions are and pursue them. Because I really do believe at the end of the day, that if your child will see you going after the things that you care about, it can only have a positive impact on them. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So before we sign off, can you let us know where we can find you on social media, what your website is? I'll obviously have this in, sh in the show notes too, but just for people who are only listening. Yeah, for sure. So the Instagram account is called the only hearts. Um, so it's exactly how it sounds. The only hearts. And that's actually a play on Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club from the Beatles, because I love a good pun. Um, and I love the Beatles. They're like my favorite band. So I was like, great, the Only Hearts Club. Um, so that's the Instagram. And it will be the same thing for the website as well. But that's not up and running yet. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for coming on here and talking about this topic that I think will resonate with so many parents. And um, yeah, just to talk about debunking some of the misconceptions and all of it, especially I love that you shared how you are personally um, prioritizing yourself and modeling that to Alex. I think that's incredible. So thank you so much. Thank you. And one thing I will say too, is that if anybody is listening and they are not sure or con considering it, um, you know, or if they are sure, um, like send me a DM, you know, like contact me. I always respond on Instagram and like, I'm always, I love creating community. I love meeting new people. So, you know, my DMS are open and I'm always open to new connections. Right. Thank you. Thanks. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of the Wild and Well podcast. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode and please share with like-minded mothers. A review wherever you listen to your podcast is greatly appreciated as it helps to get the show out to even more mothers and families. Together we can nurture thriving kids, vibrant moms, and a brighter future for the next generation. Disclaimer, the information in this podcast is intended as educational in nature and is for informational purposes only. It is not personal health advice or indicative of a therapeutic relationship, and it should not be used to prevent, diagnose, or treat health problems. If any of the information in this podcast resonates with you, consult a qualified healthcare practitioner to discuss what works best for you in your unique situation.